to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So, Liz, I know we always try to start Happy Hour with some happy news. (laughs) But guess what? There isn't any this week. (laughs) So, yeah. Well, actually, we do have happy news. That's a lie. We have our friend Jordan Chacatel. I probably say that wrong. Do I say that wrong, Jordan? No, that was that was good. It's correct. Okay, good. We have our friend Jordan here um, for backup because our group, our group, our gulag group is getting smaller and smaller. <laughs> People are just disappearing. <laughs> we don't know where they go. Like my my Twitter account follow my follower account on Twitter, which is just totally been. It's not even that high to start with, and I'm just get I'm just bleeding here, bleeding. <laughs> yes. So um, we have Jordan with us. We have a lot to cover, but uh, Jordan does some of the best just independent investigative work that you could find. He has been ahead of the curve on so many issues related to coronavirus, COVID, the lockdowns, a vaccine, etc. But what we want to talk to Jordan about today is his piece about the timeline and, you know, how Trump is getting the blame for inciting insurrection. Um, But really, the more we learn, the less credible that storyline is. So, Jordan, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always good to be on. So we are in the second week post no, wait, it, it seems like a month, but <laughs> it's actually Second only, year. it's only been what, like, like eight days. So a little over a week since um, there was a protest at the Capitol. The protest was billed and promoted as, um, you know, to show support for Trump and to um, sort of make make your make people people uh, to make a statement that that people are upset about the vote fraud and the way that the vote fraud was handled their allegations of vote fraud in at least six states um critical states for the electoral college win um probably in all 50 states to some extent and those concerns were brushed off there was little recourse to be had through the court system which We've talked about how they've shirked their duty. And so there was a large showing in Washington, D.C. The plan was to have some speakers. I know that Trump was going to speak at the Ellipse and then people were going to march down to the Capitol in front of the Congress while they were going through this process to uh, certify the electors in the House and in the Senate and there was going to be rallying outside that obvious that didn't happen. Uh, people started to breach the very little bit of security there pretty early on, I think before, or even at the beginning of when Trump started speaking. Um, and so th- this has been completely mischaracterized by the mainstream media and the Democrats for political advantage. We'll get into what that might be in a minute. And so now this is the greatest investigation criminal investigation the united states has ever taken in the history of america it's worse than 9-11 we're told um and they're looking for the 
I, I don't even know what to say. The people that were present in the Capitol building, m- most of whom didn't even do anything. They just walked in because there was no security there. So anyway, on the heels of that, we are getting messages from the media that there is going to be a 50 state armed, I don't even know, <clears throat> showing at the state capitals. They're warning people on the heels of ginning up further hysteria about the danger of, you know, some dude in a Viking costume and an eagle costume and some people wearing Trump flags around their neck that didn't even go in with any guns or anything or they didn't really shoot anyone up or I don't know. I'd think this thing's overblown. So anyway, Jordan wrote a great piece. So Jordan, tell us, will there be an armed uprising among Trump supporters on the inaugur on inauguration day, which apparently is going to be virtual. Tell us. So this story is so insane. And it started with the FBI, um, similar to what they did with the Trump Russia strategy is they leaked this bulletin. So this apparent internal memo that was so sensitive and so important that they had to leak it to all these select press outlets about the urgency <laughs> of the situation and by the way, the FBI like never briefed the public about this. It's just all uh, newspaper reporters and public and people uh, aligned with, you know, more so legacy media publications. That um, you know, there's this FBI bulletin that says that there's these pro-Trump rallies and they're all going to be armed, planned plan in all 50 states. So I kind of had to like go through because the bulletin is not um, has not been made available. So I had to go through all of these media reports. And I found out, you know, who was behind the movement, um, what the FBI is kind of trying to do here. And I wanted to see if this was legitimate, because it seems like there should be more concern if it's there's really going to be armed pro-Trump, you know, AK, whatever, carrying protesters everywhere, you know, raiding capitals, all this stuff. So there's a lot of drama in the media. And I looked into it and I looked into the people behind the movement and and it really turns out that this is not nearly all it's hyped to be. In fact, uh, this movement is called like the Boogaloo movement, and they have been tied to a lot of FBI sting operations. And they basically started as this um, kind of just like a bunch of people on internet forums that posted about stuff that they liked. There's, uh, you know, there's like a white nationalist contingent and there's like this like anarchist contingent. And they they sometimes, uh, you know, one or two or three people show up and they identify themselves by wearing you know, Hawaiian shirts and they show up at protests, go to protests, cause some trouble. Um, don't really commit acts of violence. You know, they're not like a um, they're not like an Antifa or, or a Proud Boys type like militia. They're just kind of people that are. You know, they're to, to troll people. They sometimes have some weird extremist views. But what I found is it's actually a very small movement um, in, when you're looking at scale. And I found their website. I'm not going to share it, their website aggregator, because, like, I don't want you guys to get in trouble or, you know, I, I don't want us to get deplatformed because social media sites are very sensitive these days. And I found out that they actually because there's been so much uh, reporting and awareness on this issue that they, it hasn't been reported at all, but they, they canceled this plan to have the, the armed, so-called armed uprisings. And I also found out that these people uh, consistently trash the president because they didn't think that he's you know, good on this issue or that issue. 
that they want to basically take down the entire system. Um, and it's a very like kind of like a I think most of them are you could describe them as like kind of like a right wing anarchist and split between like right wing anarchists and, and white nationalists. But these people don't really have many good things to say about Trump. So this whole narrative about it being a pro-Trump uprising doesn't even make sense. They, they were bashing Trump on the website and they called off the rally. So I, I did a I did a story about this um on my publication on Substack called The Dossier. And it's unfortunate because I, I'm still seeing so many media outlets running with this ridiculous story. And there's basically a small kernel of truth to the idea that they, they tried to set something up. But again, it's a very, very small group. Um, they have been tied to violence in the past. But very interestingly, an important part of the story is that they've been tied to plots not necessarily direct violence. The FBI has tied a lot of these people up um, in a lot of like these lure sting operations. So the FBI is very well, you could say, integrated with this organization. And it's just a very strange thing that's going on. There's going to be, I can guarantee you that, you know, unless something crazy happens, that there are not going to be armed uprisings in in any state across the United States. The the fact that they're bringing... um, 20,000 National Guard units who are, I think, already in D.C., they shut down the entire city for something that's absolutely not going to happen. Well, I I believe that the inauguration, it's going to be mostly virtual anyway. Mm. So what what's going to ha- how is how would that even play out? Um, it seems to me that there's a benefit uh, to keep stoking the fires about political violence what do you what would you say jordan yeah it's it's advancing a narrative i think the fbi is is again playing politics and you see it that this story has been used to feed these narratives about uh you you i think don lemon said last night if you if you vote for trump if you went to the rally if you support the rally i think he basically said you're you're equivalent to a terrorist it's that type of thing that you know they can they can present this as a legitimate threat and they think that there's this uprising of people incited by Trump and you know how dare you stand behind this guy because look what's look what's happening in our country because and and it all ties back and the latest narrative is is this ridiculous FBI bulletin which i which i believe was part of purposely part of an information operation by whoever's um, in charge over there, or whoever's leaking to the media, but it, it's it's disgraceful. It, it's a continuation of the not even the four years of, of President Trump's pres- presidency, but um, you know the FBI has been manipulating the political system uh, for for decades. But particularly when it comes to President Trump, they've been going after this guy since the basically the second he announced that he was going to run for office. And they've been relentless, and it continues. Julie, what are your you know, thoughts on this? You know, the press conference, Jordan. I don't, I don't know, Jordan and Liz, if you guys caught any of the press conference the other day with the DC um, FBI DC field office director, and then the acting attorney general. I don't even know who who it is now, um, but. Their inflammatory rhetoric about what they were saying about January 6th, that the Capitol is a crime scene 
to your point, Liz, this is going to be the biggest, most far-reaching investigation ever in DOJ's history. They are going to be forming strike forces to go out and uh, follow up on the over 100,000 tips that the FBI got. You know, like, oh, I saw my coworker posted a picture at the rally. So, she must be charged with sedition. Um, but the the rhetoric that was coming out, and to your point, point, Jordan, another example of the weaponization of the FBI and DOJ against Trump and his supporters. Um, it's really terrifying to think what is going to happen once Joe Biden really takes the reins of that Justice Department or whoever is pretending you know, really doing the work, Joe Biden, just the figurehead. Um, but, you know, and then all the theatrics we see playing out with the, the troops and now the barbed wire and the military uh, uh, arsenal being and that picture. unleashed in D.C. Did you see the yeah. picture that they put out with all of the National Guard, like, sleeping on the floor? You know, that was yep. such a photo op. I mean, come on. Come on. And then... They have mags to get into the Capitol building now for the congressman and the set. Like, what is that about? I mean, that's Pelosi, of course. But is she worried that that some Republican congressperson is going to come in and I don't know, do do something? I mean, they're forcing. Look, the security at the Capitol is pretty strict. I mean, you do have to go through mags to get in. But to hassle mm-hmm. the congressmen and women when they come in and make them go through it, what's the what is the point of that except to, like, you know, try and and support this narrative that we are under a, a terrifying threat right now? I mean, they've they've been saying that for five, four or five years that there's this white supremacy movement, that they're violent, that they love the Charlottesville situation. They are always talking about that. Then we have some guys that tried to kidnap Governor Whitmer, if I understand correctly, that was kind of moved forward by an FBI informant who pretty much infiltrated the Boogaloo Boys. We're constantly hearing about this. The only violence I see regularly is from the left. I mean, we didn't get a strike force when the Antifa people tried to lock a bunch of uh, federal agents inside a building and then set it on fire. <laughs> that happened in Seattle. We didn't hear much after. We didn't hear much about that. So, I feel like this whole thing is politically motivated, and that's unfortunate because really, who do we trust for information anymore? I mean, what if there's a real threat? How are we going to even know? Exactly. And I, I was I was in D.C. during inauguration day in 2017 as a reporter. And I was watching these Antifa people destroying shit left and right, um, you know, breaking windows, damaging vehicles, setting stuff on fire. It's like we've just memory hold, not just like the last few months, but exactly what the left had been doing on Inauguration Day. And now they claim that the big threat is this right wing, these right wingers who are attached to Trump, who don't even like Trump. It's just so absurd and ridiculous. And it seems that our media has just succeeded in, even when it comes to um, Fox News, the vast majority of the media is just playing up these nonsensical narratives that have no factual basis behind them. And it's very interesting that, you know, these people won't 
really engage in our spaces when they have to have a serious discussion about this. Um, very frequently not challenged. You know, it's a, it's a controlled environment in this TV media space where you know what the guests are going to say and you know, you're not going to bring on someone that's going to challenge what you have to say. So it's just this is a huge problem that you just alluded to, this this misinformation problem. We don't know. We have to like literally investigate the truth ourselves to figure out you know, what is going on in this country. And it takes like for us, the, the people on the right, I guess, um, you know, we obviously don't have the resources of these billion dollar media corporations and the federal intelligence apparatus. So, you know, like it took us a little while to unravel the Russia collusion hoax, because I'm sure you remember in the beginning, maybe Julian Jordan, you guys were ahead of this than I was. But at first I was when I we I first heard about the Russia thing and they were saying, oh, Trump's working with Russia. And I was like, eh, I don't know. Um, but because I didn't know. But then eventually, pretty shortly thereafter, people started picking up on some of the problems. So it, we're always behind. We're always on defense. Right. Like we had gotten this narrative about what happened at the Capitol and it took people a little while at least to get their footing you know, there was 300,000 people there. 99% of them weren't in the Capitol building. And most of them weren't even at the Capitol just because there were so many people and it was cold. And people, after a while, after a couple hours, somehow they had gotten word that there was trouble at the Capitol. And yet we are, you know, the, the public is being fed a story like there was this massive storm the Capitol that that the people inside the building, their life was in danger, these elected officials. So it we're always on defense trying to figure out what's going on. And there's just no trust. I mean, when I see something in the news, I immediately just don't believe it. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. And I and and that's really that's really uh, where we are. So what what percentage of this or how much of this do you think is because it keeps traffic web traffic going? A lot of these media companies need to get the tra get traffic. That's how they make money. They have ads on their site. What how much of this is, um, you know, because they're on the side of I get what was the what was the phrase like deprogramming or cleansing? I think someone said cleansing the the Trump supporters of their political ideas. What what how much of it is that that they're on the political side of the opposition to the to the Trumpers and the Republicans and how much of it is just to generate traffic to their websites? Julie, Jordan, anyone? Well, I think the only comparison um, why this is so overblown, it serves a lot of political interest. One is to criminalize um, any mention of election fraud, which we know yeah. is legitimate um, so that's number one. Number two, as it's always been, is to cover up for something else. So this is covering up for the election fraud, covering up for the, you know, 70 percent ish Republicans who don't feel like Joe Biden was fairly elected. Um, also to crush the uh, our spirits, but also to prevent any more rallies. If you remember, remember the Caesar Sayak uh, hysteria right before the, I think it was right before the 2018 election. Remember the the weird guy who was sending fake pipe bombs to yes. journalists and they he found his van? van with all van with all the stuff on it. That guy. So that 
that served the same purpose was Trump was going into the 2018 midterms. Things didn't look, you know, disastrous. He was holding all of these rallies. It was fresh off the Kavanaugh um, win. And so then all of a sudden this guy pops up. He's sending pipe bombs and they find the guy's van right away. And, you know, it's on TV. And that totally quashed any further political rallies. So um, this is serving that on steroids but i think it's a bigger thing to cover up a lot a lot of really bad things that are still going on and just to to change the subject well that's in the impeachment article if you read the impeachment charge against trump it's that he was um you know inciting his supporters by telling them there was vote fraud i mean that's that's what they said so I think you're 100% right that this is to distract from the momentum on the right against vote fraud. And the con- the elected officials in Congress and in the Senate, many of them were going to object to the electors. And the purpose was so that there would be time to bring out the evidence that has been completely ignored and suppressed by the mainstream media. And also, um, People are just told by the media that he, there's been 50 cases and they've all been thrown out of court. That's also a lie. Um, there's never been a case that has addressed the substance of vote fraud claims. They've been dismissed or thrown out for on on procedural grounds. So I, I absolutely think you're right. And I, I found it very peculiar that the language of that impeachment claim is that the mere act of suggesting that there might be vote fraud isn't of itself a criminal act. I mean, that's what they're going to, right? I mean, the Senate would be holding a hearing and decide whether to charge the, pre- you know, to, to, to decide the president is guilty of this. Um, so I, I do think that, that you are correct. Um, I don't know if it's going to be successful, uh, but it's, it's a scary time. And also it is to stop any further mobilization of a Trump coalition, even when Trump's out of office. Uh, they definitely don't want a sweep in 2022. And the GOP establishment has a stake in that because they're they're at the top of the list of people to get out of office. So they're going along with this because they also want to crush this Trump coalition. And who knows what their complicity is with the vote fraud that went down and deserves an investigation. Yeah, these people are just as bad as the left. Um, like someone like Liz Cheney, I cannot, I cannot stand these people. The, they have such clear contempt for, and and you look at the polls, and it's still you know, the vast majority of the Republican of Republicans still support the president and you know applaud his presidency as a whole. And then you have these Republican establishment members that are just so laughably out of touch with their own base, that they're willing to sabotage the president of the United States because they're trying to figure out, you know, how to get out of this potential that could be created for themselves. It just goes to show to me, at least, that we're really going to need at least a second Tea Party movement because clearly, somehow, they still don't even acknowledge the base of their party and they're actively working against its interests. Jordan, if you had to fast forward two months from now, what do we find out 
about the insurrection? What are we going to learn? What is still going to be unanswered? Um, I would venture to guess that we're going to be looking at a far different uh, climate or situation than we are now. But through your investigation and digging into this, what do you, where do you think we are two months from now? Well, I think that the left is really good at leveraging um, incidents that really uh, that that they can use to their advantage. You know, the, the famous uh, "never let a crisis go to waste" slogan really applies here, because at, at the end of the day, they you know there were in fact a significant amount of riders. I don't know if that would if you would say it's in a dozen or maybe a hundred people, but, but they have the images that they want. And similar to that Charlottesville fiasco, they'll just use the fringes of the, I don't even, you can't even say the Republican party, but the fringes of, you know, what most people would identify the, the far, far right with and say that that is representative of the, of the entirety of the right. And they'll use that to try to pass, um, I think like a second Patriot Act type thing. Oh. Um, the, the, the Democratic Party is very much, as we've observed, become, you know, the, the, the big tech, big corporate Wall Street party in the United States over the past few years. And they are going to want to, you know, the people that got the, you know, the, the, the person that is Joe Biden and whoever his handlers are into office. Uh, big tech is very much responsible for this. So they are going to want to protect themselves and their monopoly powers. And I think that you'll see something like, you know, a second Patriot Act to, to protect against you know, these violent insurrectionists, more crackdowns on speech. And there, there is a huge, I think, sense of urgency. And it's totally warranted um, on the right and just people who believe in free speech and you know, protecting our constitutional rights to, to get away from big tech. And I think that's going to be the big fight for the next four years is how can we, you know, as individuals who have like pretty decent platforms for now, at least, <laughs> even though they're being served by big tech, how can we get away from those platforms as soon as possible and continue to influence people before we all get shut down? Because like, I, you know, I, I have a lot of things that I want to say about these issues, you know, involving um, election fraud, but we know that there's certain Twitter especially is is very much like a golden cage and we need to get away from this environment where even even we have to suppress our speech because we know going too far might cost us our entire platform. So we need to get away from that. And the fact that they have us kind of like locked up in this in this metaphorical cage, we can't win um, with with those being the ground rules. So I think that's that's the big issue in the next four years. And how do we do that? I mean, <laughs> what are our, I think now it, it's so acute that we have to seek out other platforms. We know that, but like, where do we start? Who do we go to? Who will fund it? What does that look like? So that, that's the tough part. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of tech people on our side, or at least that share some principles that we can kind of like adapt a greater coalition around. Um, I, I think I tweeted about this, but a lot of people are taking to using Signal, which is a very popular um, encrypted privacy app. And it was created by a guy, um, I listened to his podcast on, uh, he had Joe Rogan interview him the other day, and it was a cringe podcast. It was terrible. I wouldn't 
I wouldn't um, recommend it for anyone. But I recognize that, you know, this guy on the far left, uh, he's kind of like a delusional communist. But he created this app to, like, you know, protect his people so they can organize. But but this is but Signal is an open source app. It's it's very privacy centric. It's encrypted. And we need to find stuff like that where there are platforms that we can use that are basically unable to be you know, interfered with by a bunch of social justice warriors in Silicon Valley and use that to our advantage. So that's just like one example of you know, a potential platform that could be a game changer. Um, there's a lot of people, uh, I, I think, so the problem with Gab, uh, which is kind of like a parlor competitor, if parlor even exists anymore, which is very sad. But what Gab did to make themselves sustainable and to make themselves like social justice warrior proof is that they adopted um, an open source uh, server protocol and they're using it for their website. And that's why, you know, big tech can't shut them down is because, you know, they're kind of like off the grid in this in this decentralized world. And I, I think that's kind of like got to be the focus for, for our people to, to seek out um, these type of technologies and these type of individuals to create like a big tech proof um, coalition and software and hardware, because I think they're absolutely uh, the clock is absolutely ticking for them just to completely censor us. The, the left is so relentless right now with the deplatforming campaigns. Um, they're going after everyone across the board. I, I was reading an article the other day that Trump is basically being kicked out of New York City. They're, they're canceling all the Trump organization's contracts. And if they can do that to Trump, if they can get these banks to, to debank uh, Republican members of Congress, they can certainly go after us and not think twice about it. So it, it's such an important issue in the future, and we need some serious thinkers to um, you know, create some some platforms, and we need to get some you know, some real techie people on our side to, to make it happen. But I know that the technology is available, and I think that's what we should be seeking out in the future. Well, I, I agree with you, and I'm kind of a techie person, um, and so – you mentioned Gab, which is, it is, it's kind of like a parlor Facebook and Gab's been around longer than parlor. And what Gab did was smart is that they own their own servers. So whoever's hosting their website can't be uh, bullied into taking them down. The problem is that Gab is not in the app store. It's not in the app store for Apple. It's not in the app store for Android. And so the, in a way, I'm not to get too depressing, but I mean, if our show's not depressing, it's nothing else if depressing, actually. Um, you know, <laughs> unhappy we, hour. On, un, yeah, unhappy hour. We are actually in a cage in the sense that, so Gab can host its own servers, but it's not in the app store, which is where almost everybody gets the apps that they use. And you, you can go around that with Android, but you do need a certain level of technical sophistication to do it. Um, pretty soon, what's to stop AT&T or Verizon or T-Mobile from saying, hey, you know what, we're just, we're not going to let, you know, you can't use our services to use this app. Um, there's, we really have done a terrible job of keeping an eye on this and predicting the possible abuses and insulating ourselves from it. It's a, it's a terrifying time. Kurt Schilling had his, has had his insurance canceled because he is 
I guess it was, oh, I can't, I can't remember the name of the company, so I'm not going to say it. I don't want to get, you know, get in trouble. Um, he got his, he got his insurance canceled because he's a pro-Trumper. People that were not even near the Capitol, that their pictures have been identified, they've been, you know, they've also suffered. So I don't know what Twitter's doing. It's just culling everybody. You know, everyone's followers count, followers count is going significantly down. Um, but I do agree with you, Jordan. I think we do have some like-minded friends in the tech industry. A lot of them are libertarian. And just like, you know, Glenn Greenwald is someone who I agree with almost nothing on, but I certainly have a lot more respect for him than anyone at the National Review, you know, who I may share some political beliefs with because he's, he gets it. He he understands the danger of having this corporate um, government convergence and the effect on political discussion. So I don't know. The problem with Signal and Telegram is that they're private. And that was one of the values of Twitter and also Facebook, at least initially, is that in the past, before we had social media, um, we were kind we were silent and we it was hard for us to get beyond our our own circle of whether it was seeing people at school when you pick up your kids or maybe your aerobic studio or yoga I know aerobics is so 80s um but on Facebook you had the ability to go way beyond your circle you know with this viral things would share and then people would find out information that they would have no idea it even existed 20 years ago so when you put people into signal um, or telegram where you do have, you can have groups in telegram, but those are private. And, and, and so I think we've lost something because the, the effort is to just drive us out of the public, the public sphere and to label us as Nazis or white supremacists so that we're shunned. It's a, it's a bad situation. I, I totally agree with you on like the the urgency of the matter and how many problems you know the app store cancellation and like unfortunately because like we don't control anything on the federal level anymore the solutions are now limited. I, I wish that we had solutions and we had majorities in Congress and and if President Trump maybe had acted on this stuff during his yeah. tenure, we'd be in a different situation. But now our situation, I think, I, I don't see any other option than trying to find a way to create platforms that are, you know, uncancelable because the, the, the legal and regulatory route is very, is just inaccessible at this point, unfortunately, unless you're talking, unless maybe we'll have some brave governors or even on a more local level in city, well, we don't control any cities, but at least governors that maybe are going to say, you know, hey, I'm not going to do business with Amazon, Twitter, or Facebook until you know they, they do something or guarantee something. Um, but in terms of federal regulation or, or laws being passed to, to break up these companies, um, that I think that ship has totally sailed on us. And, at least for the next two years. So we're, we're definitely playing defense already. 
Well, I do think it is just one more example of how not just the Trump administration failed on this, but especially uh, Senate Republicans who promised for years and you know raised money off of this, either changes to uh, Section 230 or reining in big tech. They had all these showy hearings that went absolutely nowhere. Um, it really was just another lost example, uh, lost failure opportunity. Theater. Just failure theater as yep. usual. Yep, of the past four years. But kind of what to you guys were saying, and I've written about this too, I would love to see some of these state attorney generals, say Texas, Ken Paxton, who seems to be like the Ron DeSantis of state attorney generals, um, to sue these companies for violating federal election law, which they have egregiously, probably hundreds of millions, if not upwards of a billion dollars in in illegal in-kind contributions to the Biden campaign and Democrats. And so I think that is some fertile ground that I would like to see explored. And they may not really face any fines, but it would I'd love to see this stuff vetted in court. Well, they have no fear. You know, they're fearless. As soon as the Democrats won the two races in Georgia and they knew the Republicans were, you know, had no control of the Senate, not like they really did, but at least they could, we could be pressured a little bit. Um, as soon as that happened, you know, the, it was, it was over. So thank you so much, Jordan, for joining us. You can read Jordan on Substack. The dossier is, is the name of his little section of Substack. Um, we will be talking to you again soon and you can come back to happy hour. We don't invite people back often, but um, you're yeah, we don't really favorites. like a lot of people, but we, we do like you. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's always good to talk to you guys. All right, Thanks, Jordan. Jordan. Thanks. All right. So Liz. Okay. So, well, that was fun. Um, <clears throat> kind of depressing. Um, <clears throat> uh, so yeah. where thanks, are you still? Thanks for having me. I, yeah. All right. Um, we'll we'll like, catch you like next time, minute. Jordan. You can go. We'll let okay. you go. All right, thanks so much. See you guys. Bye. Go to your gulag. (laughs) All right. So we really are not in a great way, but I do think if anyone who's listening to us, our listener, as Julie calls them, there are things you can do to extract yourself from these big tech corporations. So I encourage people to think carefully about where they're spending their money and what services they're using. Um, that's how these corporations got the power that they did is their ubiquity. So you don't have to order from Amazon. Don't order from Amazon. Are you using (laughs) Google services? Look for alternatives. That's a cheap thing for, you know, free for you to do is to just use other vendors. You should have seen my family's face the other night when I said, what if we cancel our Amazon account? They looked at me like, um, We'll probably cancel you first before we give up Amazon. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's sensitive as someone who has been an Amazon customer since 1998. Oh, wow. Yeah, it says that on my Amazon account. It says customer since 1998. And yeah, well, I used to buy a lot of books. Maybe they were a bookstore. Um, right. And now there are, and this morning I was pulling together some information for some friends. A lot of people call me cause I'm like the tech person who fixes our computer and they're like, how do, what do I do? What do I do? So I said, all right, let me gather some resources to make it easier to not 
you know, to get out of this web of Amazon. That's a good idea. Google and Facebook. The problem is there really aren't that many because they put been all been put out of business. If you try and look for bookstores that aren't Amazon, there's not many, you know, there's not many. Um, And it's Google is so integrated with the people's online lives. You know, do you use Chrome? That's a Google product. Google Docs, a lot of people use Google Calendar. And then there's yeah. all the surveillance devices they put in our home, right? So a lot of people have Alexa. Um, a lot of people use iHome or Nest. That's a Google product. There's right. a Google Home. There's all kinds of things. I mean, it's not just that they're surveilling your surfing habits. They literally have like cameras in your home and you put them there. You know, they well, there is antitrust um, lawsuit against Google right now. The Justice Department, I don't really know what the status is or where that will go, but that's something. But you know, Liz, the Democrats, no matter what Facebook or Twitter does, it's not going to be enough to satisfy the Democrats. I mean, they have been after these platforms for years, and now that we know and we're learning the past few days that so much of the so-called insurrection, the MAGA insurrection, right. was um, communicated on Facebook and Twitter. And I think that that's why they kind of started the Trump, pur- you know, the purge of all of our followers and Trump's account to try to play a little defense and get ahead of yeah. that. But once if there is if there are any hearings, I, I'm not sure if there will be, but. Uh, you know, Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey are going to be questioned pretty harshly about why they let their platforms be used to orchestrate this so-called insurrection. And, um, you know, they'll ultimately run up against the Democrats, not Republicans. Well, no, I think you're right. The problems that they face is that they're getting they're getting pulled from both ends. And because they themselves don't really have any principles um, it's going to make for an interesting situation because the left is angry that they allow the right to use the services at all. They would rather none of us be able to use their services. Right. Um, you know, Facebook, I know Julie's smart. She's not on Facebook. I'm have a li- very limited presence on Facebook, but I am in a lot of groups on Facebook that aren't political. You know, my cat has IBD. So I'm in a group of people that have cats with IBD, you know, and it's great. (laughs) It sounds silly, but I mean, it's it's, it's fantastic, you know. So I'm in groups like that that are super specific. I have an autoimmune disease. I'm in a support group with other people all over the world that have the same disease I have. And so it's 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 good in that sense, but in the other sense, they want to draw the line at certain political, political beliefs. So they would rather the left is coming at them and they don't want the right to have a voice at all. And then the Republicans are, some of them, some of the Republicans are just fine with it, are coming at them from the other direction saying you are penalizing people that have different, you know, it's viewpoint discrimination. You're penalizing people with different viewpoints. And in addition, it's not just that, but they've become the arbiter of what the truth is. We saw this really at the the height of this, I think, was with the coronavirus, where you just simply were not allowed to say certain things 
on these that's right on these platforms at all did you want to talk about hydroxychloroquine no you weren't allowed to say it did you want to say did you want to talk about that you don't think masks are effective not allowed to say it and not even people like you or me were lay people we're not scientists but even people who are doctors phd scientists epidemiologists they're getting banned too because dr facebook and twitter phd knows the science better um so it it's much more than just political discourse. It's these tech companies that have no oversight are the ones that are deciding what is or is not true. And that is very bad, very bad, dangerous situation to get into. And I think the Democrats are fine with it as long as these tech companies take their cue from the Democrats, right? Like they took their cue from the World Health Organization, which is in bed with China and am not trustworthy at all. But remember, that was the standard. Oh, that's not what the World Health Organization says. Okay, well, they're fucking clowns. So, yeah. Well, I'm thinking maybe we should move to Uganda because. Oh, my gosh. Right. They they know what's up. Because (laughs) Uganda basically shut down Twitter. um, And Facebook. And Facebook for interfering in their election and in their. their statement, Twitter, hilariously says, ahead of Ugandan election, we're hearing reports that Internet service providers are being ordered to block social media and messaging apps. Oh, OK. We strongly condemn Internet shutdowns. They are hugely harmful, violate basic human rights and the principles of the open Internet. I mean, you Come have on. to be joking. Right. The so right nerve. there and then you have Jack Dorsey admitting that his platform is used for free speech, human rights, and that the internet should be open to all. Um, But here's what was really funny. Twitter, this was a few days ago, access to information and freedom of expression, including the public conversation on Twitter, is never more important than during democratic processes, particularly elections. Right. I mean, come on. What? I know. Can you believe now, that? Now, keep in mind, this they are the ones who initiated their civic integrity policy. You know, everything just sounds like it's straight out of Atlas Shrugged now. Yeah. So they are the ones who started flagging posts about mail-in ballots back in September. Facebook was shutting down any posts that were critical of absentee ballots. This started back in September. Of course, we know that they flagged many of the president's tweets about mail-in ballots not to mention what they did to the New York Post in October, completely deplatforming them for a solid week about the Hunter Biden laptop. So here, how do you rectify those two? Well, you can't. But, you know, Julie, you don't have to. You know what I mean? Like, you don't yeah. have to. So so he's a hypocrite. And, right. and then what? Right. I mean, that's the problem that they're that we had these hearings and um, the gas bag senators made a big stink of, you know, the pounding the table and raising their voice and yo, Jack, you listen to me. You know what, (laughs) what happened? Not a damn thing. And and I'm disappointed in president Trump on this and and other things because he was warned. Okay. He was warned about this and it just wasn't a priority for him. And unfortunately, it was probably the most important thing that he could have done his entire time in office is to get this 
get bring these companies to heel and it never happened and now we're in a really bad place you know and i think after seeing this tidal wave come against him with so much force um on this rally and against the vote fraud and di- erasing him basically they're erasing him that's right um, that i'm sure he regrets his decision not to you know go in go in for a for a fight with these people well it's i mean and i've been critical very critical of the president's handling of all of these lawsuits and his messaging about election fraud because he should have in my opinion just stayed focused on pennsylvania michigan and wisconsin what happened there because we know that they broke their own election laws there was tons of proof there were media reports about it before election day as it was happening they were not prepared they were all over the place the messaging and then all the goofy you know far fetched servers in germany and all that that did so much damage to um his case but he w- but look we the guy had no backup i mean he looked at senate republicans who were looking the other way like ready to move on to the Georgia Senate race and talking to Joe Biden and how we can work together on immigration and climate. I mean, they were already figuring out how they were going to swear in Biden's cabinet picks before they were even taking a second look at what had happened in Pennsylvania, for example. So once again, you know, if after four years or let's say five years of dealing with these fuckers and he didn't figure out that none of them were ever going to have his back, I don't, I, I mean, what do you say to that? What, like, no, you're, you're right. I mean, why, why would he have been even campaigning for Purdue and for um, Loeffler. Kelly Loeffler? To be honest, why would you or be helping them? Mitch? Or any of them. To be honest, he went out. Any of he, them. He got, he got a lot of people elected except for himself. And he did the same thing in, um, he helped some people in 2018. He blindly gave his endorsement to people yeah. and didn't say, I'm not endorsing you. He could have brought the committees, the NRSC and the NRCC, and said, I'm not endorsing anyone. You're not raising any money with my name unless I personally approve the candidate. And I want to see all their papers. And I want to talk to them. He didn't do that. They raised money and they brought in people. And Kelly Loeffler was one who immediately rescinded her um, her claim that she was going to object to the electors and ask Pence to give them 10 more days to look at the vote fraud for the state legislatures. And she immediately folded. So, I mean, I'm glad she lost, but I bet she would have done the same thing if she won. Although it wouldn't have been, the situation wouldn't have been quite as dire for her because the Senate would still would have the majority and she'd have a job. But, um, you know, this was just really bad strategy on Trump's part. And it was really bad strategy on his advisors who didn't see what what didn't game this out you know and plug the holes along the way they just okay, didn't so do it you're right plug the holes let's talk about a huge gaping hole that trump left for the past four years which is the federal election commission yep. they can't even hold a quorum you have ellen weintraub who i think was appointed by maybe the first bush Her term expired years ago. She's a Democratic partisan hack now who is 
trolled the president on Twitter. She's still there. They never filled the positions that they needed to. They never made that an energetic commission where they could send over all of these uh, federal election violations, which I do think would have taken this to at least a different angle. The Section 230 thing, thing is one issue, but what they really were doing was screwing with our elections both in 2018 and obviously in yes. 2020. Yeah. So that was a, that's a huge gaping hole. DOJ, why was Bill Barr still there? Why the minute Bill Barr said if John Durham comes up with anything before the election, we're going to hold off. We don't want to interfere. The minute he said that he should have been fired. Trump should have put in. I don't care who his son-in-law. He could have Judge recalled Judy. <laughs> Judge Judy. He could have recalled Matt Whitaker, who actually would have done a much better job. Said we want fire Durham, get another special counsel. I want to report, you know, in 30 days or you or 10 days or, or you will be fired. Get John Durham in there. I mean, act like a Chicago machine Democrat instead of you have no clue what you're doing. Chris Ray still at the FBI. Look at what that has gotten us the past few weeks. I mean, he just did not put the right people in place. He did not follow up. He wasn't paying attention to this and instead focused on stupid issues like, you and I talked about who cares about what happened in Nevada. You don't need that state. Yeah, you that needed was three. Waste. You needed those three big Midwestern states back. Those were the only three that had the most fertile ground for election fraud. They have state legislatures run by Republicans. Wisconsin has like a super majority in the House um, of Representatives in Wisconsin. He could have found a whole new trove of allies there, spent all of his time and legal resources there. But just, you know, fluttered, not fluttered, just flailed about um, until, you know, the end. And then this is, unfortunately, for the most part, a conclusion of his of his own making. Well, certainly when we started hearing about mail in ballots in the summer, that there was going to have to be this massively, you know, this this election was going to be mostly mail in ballots. They they should have immediately got in got got all over that and they didn't they didn't fight it so it's just I've long said you know Trump thinks he's fighting a war but it's not the same war that we're fighting you know no he he just see he just thinks something else is going on and now you know look look where we are now what will come of this I don't know I think it's um I'm pleased to see some of these polls that show Republicans still support him, but also know that the election, there was serious amounts of voter fraud. And if 70 percent of people who voted for Trump think that there was voter fraud, then it's probably 80 to 85 percent since nobody really talks to the pollsters anymore. So and well, where is he? Where's Ted Cruz? Where's Josh Hawley? Josh Hawley. Well, they're getting in trouble. I mean, they are getting blasted. They are considering removing them from their committees. They're claim they're they're threatening never to bring up any legislation from them. I mean, they are they're threatening to take away committee support for them for their re-election campaigns that they won't get any PAC money. Um, I'm not saying that justifies any kind of cowardice, but you know, that's how the game is played here. And that's how Mitch keeps the Republicans in line. If anybody thinks that 
this Republican senators aren't controlled by Mitch McConnell in every way, shape or form, then they don't understand what's going on. I mean, Murkowski, Romney, um, what's her name? Not Olivia Snow, but the other white. Sass. Sass. Um, that shitbag from Pennsylvania who's leaving to me, um, Maine, Burr, Collins, all of them, those people, yep. they, they, they're not, they're not agitators outside the party. They're doing it all with the approval of McConnell because McConnell will yank all their money. And so it's a mistake to think that the Republican caucus is not unified by Mitch McConnell. And and this is what how he keeps people in line. And someone like Hawley and Ron Johnson, who also spoke out, and Ted Cruz, this is right. how they're controlled. And they're going to unperson them. They're going to take them off their committees. So we'll see if that comes to fruition. I don't know what they're doing. They're probably figuring, you know, strategizing. But it, it I mean, the system is just so corrupt. It's just yeah. so corrupt and it's so far away from the vision of what it was supposed to be. These senators stood up because they represent their constituencies. That's who they answer to, not Mitch McConnell. And if the people back home wanted them to stand up and say something, then they should stand up and say something. And Mitch McConnell blackmailing them or bullying them around. That's just not how the system is supposed to work. So, you know, and with that happy note of our... <laughs> Failed, broken republic. Dum, 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 dum. I know. <laughs> we will close this episode of Unhappy Hour. We should change our name. <laughs> like, <laughs> maybe we'll have some good news soon. Um, but maybe. we will, maybe. So thank you so much for listening to us. We will be back next Thursday or Friday. Tune in and have a great week. See you then. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week. Bye.